Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Um, Justin's going to be our starter, and prep starts, uh, you know, it's basically starts right now. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Sports columnist, sports writer. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Oil for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and asking <laughs> if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. You heard the man. Justin Fields is starting today for the Chicago Bears, and that means today's Justin Fields Day. I mean, that's what we're all calling it, so that means it must be Justin Fields Day, right? I can't wait for this game. We saw some good things out of him last week. We saw some rough parts to his game last week that could have been ironed out in practice. But more importantly, all of that aside, the Bears' top draft pick from this year is starting this afternoon in Cleveland. Noon kickoff on Fox. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Cannot wait to see what he does as QB1. Talking about all of that and a lot more, we got some Missouri Valley expansion chatter this week as well. Good to be talking Valley basketball again. A lot to get to here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. It's great to be back with you after a week off last week. We had the town festival in town, and I had a lot of work conflicts last week. It was an absolutely crazy weekend, but I'm all recovered and watch Justin Fields ball out last Sunday, and ready to watch him ball out today. And yeah, here's what happened. If you missed the game last week, if you missed any of this and you're a Bears fan, you might have had your head in the sand, but I'm going to recap it for you anyway, just because I have to fill an hour of time here. So Andy Dalton was scrambling in the second quarter, and as he's scrambling, it looked like something popped in his knee but it turns out it was a bone bruise. At least that's what they're saying. They're saying it was a bone bruise. So Justin Fields came off the bench as Dalton got checked out, and he stayed in the game. And then at halftime, Fields started out of halftime, and he played the rest of the game, and Dalton never saw the field again, even though he was telling the coaching staff and his teammates, apparently, that he was good to go back in the game. So Fields played. And he finished with a stat line, 6 of 13 passing, 60 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception that probably shouldn't have happened. And he just, he looked like a rookie, is the best way to put it. And we also can't forget that on the ground, he had 10 rushes for 31 yards. So he can run, too. That's the good thing about him that we like. You watch Andy Dalton out there, he doesn't get out of the pocket, he doesn't scramble. And then you see what happens when he does scramble, he hurts himself. 
So the question immediately, as with every injury like this, and I mean, I'm talking every injury like this, when you have this stud, this young stud behind the veteran, when something like this happens, you hear the comparison to Wally Pipp. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson. Who's Wally Pipp? Well, Wally Pipp was first baseman for the New York Yankees way back when. This is when Lou Gehrig was on the bench. And Wally Pipp one day had a headache. That's when Lou Gehrig went into the game and he played some 2,000 straight games at first base. So the analogy is that Andy Dalton just got Wally Pipped. If it's me, now I've never played a down of football in my life. If it's me, Andy Dalton's not seeing the field again, at least as a starter this year. Because Justin Fields, it's his time now. And I've been saying all along that putting him behind Andy Dalton is not the worst idea for a few weeks. And if, if for some unknown reason... Your goal for this year's Bears team is to make the playoffs. Objectively speaking, Andy Dalton gives you the best chance to win. He's got experience. He's not going to make those little mistakes like Fields did last week. But this year, I'm a realist. You know, I get this all the time. I'll talk to people. As a Cubs fan, I talk about, oh, the Cubs are bad. Because they are. They're a bad team. They're not playing well. So... I'm a realist when I say, okay, I'm a fan, but also, they're bad. Looking at this Bears roster, could they make the playoffs? Sure, especially with the way the NFC North is playing this year. Maybe they could. But again, realistically speaking, they're not going to do much in the playoffs. Not with the way the defense was playing, although they looked good last week against Joe Burrow. Not with the lack of weapons on offense. Let Justin Fields play. And we're going to get that this week. Now, I talked about what do I mean when I say he looked like a rookie last week. Because that's what I keep saying. He looked like a rookie. So Andy Dalton was the QB1. Therefore, he was getting reps with the ones in practice. So Justin Fields was the second string, therefore he was practicing with the backups. So in practice then, Andy Dalton's getting the reps with the top guys. So Justin Fields gets thrown in in a game against Cincinnati, and he's all of a sudden playing with the ones. And again, I thought he looked good. We saw that he can throw a deep ball. We saw that he can throw the ball more than 15 yards. We saw a lot of good things, but there was some bad. He had two false starts called on him. Now, it's been a long time since I've seen a false start called on a quarterback. But what he did, in his cadence, he rocked back. Can't rock back without the ball. Or at least until the ball is snapped. And there was actually, I, I take that back. One of those was on field. The other one, it looked like he was he was calling for the ball and... He was ready for it, and the center didn't snap it. But the flag is still on the quarterback in that situation. But yeah, there were some rookie mistakes. 
But could that stuff have been ironed out in practice? The answer to that is yes. And we got a very telling answer from Matt Nagy this week. Now, I talked about it on the show a couple times, what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm writing for SaturdayTradition.com, covering the Big Ten, covering Big Ten football. And that means whenever something comes up about Justin Fields, well, he went to Ohio State, so we keep tabs on all of that. I obviously can't keep tabs on it as a Bears fan. But this quote came across our news desk this week as I was working, and I was able to write the story on it. So Matt Nagy had his usual press conference this week. He he has two press conferences a week usually. This week he had three because he had to announce that Fields was starting. And this answer from the other day made me almost throw my phone. Let's listen. You see that as you go. There's little things that we're, we're learning too. Like this week with him getting all the reps in practice, there's things that we're seeing that maybe we didn't see in the first two weeks because he wasn't getting those one reps. Can I, can I play that again for you? I, just want, I, wanna, I want you to hear that again. You see that as you go. There's little things that we're, we're learning too. Like this week with him getting all the reps in practice, there's things that we're seeing that maybe we didn't see in the first two weeks because he wasn't getting those one reps. Really? Now, I want, I want to bring this back here. He wasn't getting the reps in practice, is how he put it. And that's why they weren't able to fix some of the things we saw in the Cincinnati game in practice. Uh... Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now, I don't cover the NFL. I literally watch as a fan. And I know as a fan, the head coach gets blamed for everything. But is it not the head coach's call about who gets reps with the ones? Pretty sure that's the head coach's call. Now, I'm try- I've am i been trying to think about what this quote means. You know, and what I mean by that is, why would you say that? Because all along, Bears fans, Bears reporters, Bears colonists were calling for fields to get reps with the ones. That's why when I talk about the quarterback competition, quote-unquote, I put air quotes around it. They knew Andy Dalton was going to be the starter. They knew how good Justin Fields was. So they said, and they being Matt Nagy or or Ryan Pace, they said, okay, we're going to give Andy QB1. We're going to let him work out with the ones. We're going to have Justin work out with the twos. But the crazy part of this whole thing is that Justin Fields didn't look bad with the ones without having many reps with them. So just imagine how last week would have gone 
if Dalton and Fields split the reps with the number ones. It's almost like that's how a quarterback competition should work. Your quarterbacks need to battle it out, and you decide who looks better with the number ones to be the starter. So that quote just sticks with me because I've been saying all along, I've said it on the air here, I've said it if you talk football with me, my saying is that Matt Nagy is a good coach, but he's not a good play caller by any means. Now, the latter isn't changing. I still think Bill Lazor should be calling these plays. But when I say that Matt Nagy is a good coach and I hear a quote like that, it makes me wonder even more because, like I said, it's usually the head coach's decision. But, as we know, politics get involved. Ryan Pace is fighting for his job, too. So maybe the plan is to develop fields long-term and keep Pace and Nagy around. So if that is the case, here's where the Bears' dysfunction really shows. Because at the end of last year's at the end of last year, there was an end of the year press conference after everybody was calling for Pace and Nagy to be fired. George McCaskey and Ted Phillips. Now we don't hear Ted Phillips talk to the media much. Ted Phillips sat at that podium and was asked about who the football guy is. And he said that Ryan Pace is the head football guy in that front office. Now, this is just me speaking candidly, but I think it's safe to say that Ted Phillips doesn't know much about football. And when I say he doesn't know much about football, I mean enough to be a team president in terms of president of football operations. So if he's trusting Ryan Pace to be his football guy, maybe they went to Ted Phillips and presented this as, okay, we're going to develop Justin behind Andy. Andy's going to be the starter. When in reality, Pace and Nagy would have seen that Fields with the ones would be better than Dalton with the ones, especially in the system. I hate hearing the comparisons to Mitchell Trubisky with Justin Fields because they're two different quarterbacks. Look, I know there are two quarterbacks who can run, and that's what everybody points to. Mitch couldn't throw a deep ball. Mitch couldn't roll out of the pocket and make a play. Unless it was with his legs. Justin Fields can do that. Justin Fields gets out of that pocket and he's making plays. He's a smart player. Trubisky didn't have it between the ears. So that's why Fields is different. It's a completely different situation than when Trubisky was behind Mike Glennon. I really hope Justin Fields just goes out today and balls out. Because if he has a really good game today, and if he has a really good game next week, which I think he's going to start again next week, more on that in a second, 
you cannot defend putting Andy Dalton back in as QB1. Now, why do I say next week? Because Matt Nagy has been adamant. He said it in the press conference when he said Fields was starting. Before questions were even asked, he said, I want to reiterate that Andy is our starter if he's healthy. Can we also appreciate, by the way, I meant to pull the sound from this, and I didn't, and I just want to acknowledge this now. Matt Nagy was asked multiple times if Andy's the starter, if he's healthy. He wouldn't get into it because it was supposedly a scheme issue. Then all of a sudden, after a press conference, the PR flank comes out and stands in the way and says, oh, Matt misunderstood the question. You think I forgot about that with everything with Fields starting this week? I have not. Is asked directly multiple times, and credit to Brad Biggs at the Chicago Tribune, who asked the question, Nagy said it was a scheme thing, and Biggs said, no, it's not. And Nagy said, yes, it is, Brad. And apparently, he got an apology out of it, Biggs he did. But it just blows my mind that the guy sits at that podium and just deflects it, and then the PR flank gets in the way. But when will Andy Dalton be healthy? Well, Adam Schefter reported this today. This was about an hour and a half ago this came out. And I'm reading from ESPN.com, Adam Schefter. Justin Fields will make his first NFL start Sunday for the Chicago Bears, and there's a chance the rookie quarterback could get the starting nod for another game or two. (laughs) Sure. Bears quarterback Andy Dalton, who was out Sunday with a bone bruise in his left knee, could miss an additional week or two depending on how quickly he recovers, league sources told ESPN. Dalton has a bone bruise from his femur and tibia colliding, according to a source. That sounds gross. Dalton did not suffer damage to any cartilage or ligaments and does not need surgery, but his return will be determined by how quickly the bone bruise heals. The Bears have not placed Dalton on injured reserve, which would mandate that the 11-year veteran miss at least three games. There is hope within the organization that Dalton will return sooner than that three-week threshold. So maybe this is worse than they're telling us. Crazy, isn't it? I really think after today, and I, I mean, you may as well start Fields next week against Detroit. He's going to be the better option against Detroit. I think Justin Fields is going to be your QB1 the rest of the year. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. But, yeah. I would start Justin Fields the rest of the way. Let's preview today's game real quick and see what Justin Fields is going up against in his first start. Well, for starters, let's get to the inactives. No Eddie Goldman today. And no to Sean Gibson. So, Sean Desai's got his work cut out for him against Cleveland and Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham Jr.'s back, by the way, and Kareem Hunt. Nick Foles, who Nagy called Folesy in that press conference, is the backup quarterback today. And they're going to be going, Fields is going to be going up against Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, and a good Browns defense. It's going to be a really good test for the kid in his first start. Now, I kept saying all along, maybe throw him into the game in week three, start in week four. Well, it's week three. He's starting. We'll see how he does. 
And the big thing here with Matt Nagy, this is where it comes on Matt Nagy's shoulders. Your play calling needs to be a little less conservative. And what I mean by that is when you've got first and 10 inside the red zone, let the kid make plays. Don't don't call so conservatively when you have a playmaker under center. That play call, I, w- I want to say it worked, but it, it really didn't work. But just for the sake of this sentence, I'm going to say it. It worked with Trubisky and Foles back there. You could get away with it because you couldn't trust them. But you've got a playmaker under center today. Let him make plays. Trust him. You have a quarterback you can trust. Trust him. Hopefully that changes the game plan. I still say, just let Bill Lazor call the plays. But the play calling needs to absolutely improve today. Last I checked, this was right before I came on the air, the Browns are still 7.5 point favorites if you're into betting, and the over-under is 44.5. I'll have a pick at the end of the show coming up in about 40 minutes. So stay tuned for that. Okay, I'm moving on because we got some big news in the Missouri Valley Conference because this is Loyola Student Radio Station. So we're still going to talk a lot of Missouri Valley this year, even though I'm covering the Big Ten now. We're still going to talk Valley, especially with this news that came out just the other day. This started with a report from Matt Brown, who runs the Extra Points newsletter. He's based in Chicago. We saw a tweet come out that said, quote, Multiple sources tell Extra Points that Belmont is expected to leave the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference, for the MVC, the Missouri Valley Conference, and could formally announce the move as early as next week. So that's how this all started. And then my friend Harry Schrader of the Valley Hoops Insider, he wrote a a column about this. And Harry broke some news in this. So I'm going to read from... Harry's story here, that Belmont's leaving, apparently, and here's what Harry wrote. Uh, One OVC school administrator told me about Belmont moving to the MVC. I always assumed that anyway. They also voiced concern about the league due to so many recent defections. We do not know if this story is true. Fans of both conferences will remember that Ohio Valley Conference member Murray State was in the running to join the Valley in 2017. Instead, Valparaiso joined the league and John Morant did his historic work in the OVC. One Missouri Valley official told me, I cannot confirm that news. They also did not deny the validity of the story. We have yet to receive responses from our inquiries to Belmont, the OVC, and other Valley personnel. One person deeply connected to Belmont Athletics told me, this is Harry Schrader at the Valley Hoops Insider, he believes the Valley offered Belmont a spot in the Valley several years ago, but BU administration turned it down. During the 2017 Murray State flirtation, we heard that Belmont felt that since they had just recently changed leagues and didn't feel it was appropriate to change right away. That's a lot. There was a lot there. Now, I can tell you, because I covered that 2017, I want to say debacle, but I want to—I—I co- I covered that 2017 situation where Wichita State left the Valley and they were looking for teams to replace. 
I reported it back then when I wrote for the Loyola Phoenix. I'm saying it again now. I can confirm that there was a campus visit taken to Murray State. That was confirmed to me. They also visited Nebraska-Omaha. But Nebraska-Omaha is not in this conversation right now. Belmont did not come across that. It didn't come across my radar, at least, when all that was going on. But Murray State, Murray State was very close to joining the Valley in 17. They took a campus visit down to Murray. ADs, including Loyola Athletic Director Steve Watson, by the way. They visited Murray State. I've always said, I've said it on the show, I've written it. It's inevitable that Murray State joins the Missouri Valley Conference. But now it looks like Belmont could be coming too. Now there is, the reason this is all moving quickly is that Austin P is leaving the Ohio Valley for the A-Sun. So Austin P is leaving. Which is why Belmont and Murray State are thinking, okay, let's look at other options. And Murray State released a statement here. It reads, quote, Murray State University remains actively engaged in a thoughtful and thorough vetting process as it relates to conference realignment. Murray State is a nationally recognized brand and promising discussions about the future of racer athletics are ongoing. Whether within or outside the Ohio Valley Conference, Murray State University is considering all options in order to position our athletics program in a thriving environment and offer a first-class student-athlete and fan experience. Can I translate that for you guys? The translation of that is, we're out of here. Austin P's out. Sounds like Belmont's out. Sounds like Murray State's going to be out. The Ohio Valley is going to be in a really bad spot after this. But I'm serious. Four years ago, right about now, actually not right about now, maybe a few months, few months removed from four years, Murray State was this close to joining the Valley. So if this is true, because we have this has not been confirmed, what does it mean for the Valley? The last time we had a shakeup like this, and it didn't happen quickly, it happened slowly. Creighton left, and Wichita State left, which is how you got Loyola and Valpo. So now nobody's leaving the Valley, at least as far as I know. This is going to be expanding the Valley. Jeff Jackson's getting right to work here. So Doug Elgin retired at the end of last school year. And I swear to you, every time I talk to Doug, and I, I knew Doug pretty well, I'd say, every time I talked to him, I'd bring up Valley Expansion. He would not address it. He'd just give me the cliche answer of the presidential committee is always looking to expand the Valley. He never denied it. It always felt inevitable that the Valley was going to expand. So Matt Smith, who it looks like he's a Northern Iowa fan on Twitter, put together some Ken Palm ratings over the last six years to show how this would strengthen the Missouri Valley. Now, the Valley's only been a one-bid league the last few years. Now, this year they finally got two bids in Loyola and Drake. 
So, Ken Palm ratings over the last six years. Now, if you don't know Ken Palm, I know we usually talk a lot of pro sports on the show. Ken Pomroy has a metric system that that it ranks the college basketball teams. And it's very thorough and it's highly regarded. It's so you've heard me talk about the net, the NCAA evaluation tool. Ken Pomroy was kind of the I want to say inspiration. He was also kind of involved with creating that metric. And it got rid of the old RPI, which was awful. It was so biased against mid-majors. This is better. And Ken Palm and the net are usually pretty close to each other because it's a very similar calculation, at least from my understanding. So we've got the Ken Palm rankings here. And Loyola is the only team in the Valley in the last six years to be in the top 100. And then Northern Iowa was next at 125. Valpo at 138. That includes time in the Horizon League. Missouri State, 143. Illinois State, 155. Southern Illinois, 157. Indiana State, 159. Drake, 172. Bradley, 180. Evansville, 181. Now keep in mind, for context, there are 353 college basketball programs in Division I. That shows you where the Valley schools ranked in terms of all those programs. I will tell you where Belmont and Murray State fit into all this right after I tell you you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, Chicago, and broadcasting to you from my garage-side studio in Dwight, Illinois, talking college hoops on this Sunday. So with Belmont and Murray State slated to join the Valley, they would be two of the strongest teams in the league. Belmont's in the top 100 in Ken Palm at 94. And Murray State would be fourth at 130. So we'll finally have a 12-team league. And that increases the chances of a two-bid Valley. Now, the way the Valley's set up now, you've got five teams, or five teams. You've got ten teams. You can't have two divisions of five. It just won't work out in scheduling. So the way the Valley is played now, 18 games, play each team twice, home and away. Once home, once away. If this happens with Belmont and Murray State, and it sounds like it's going to, the Valley could feasibly go with the Big Ten model and do a North and a South region. They can do two six-team regions. Now, your North region would likely be, it wouldn't have any new teams in it. Because Belmont and Murray State are both South. Belmont's in Nashville, and Murray State's in Murray. It's in, it's in Kentucky, Paducah. So your North region would likely be, and I haven't, I haven't written this down. I'm going off the top of my head here, so I'm going to screw this up. Your North region is going to include Northern Iowa, Drake, Loyola, Valpo, Illinois State, Bradley. Your south region would be Missouri State, Southern Illinois, Evansville, Indiana State, Belmont, Murray State. Yes, the Valley is likely going to have Murray State and Missouri State. Have fun keeping that straight when Missouri State plays Murray State. 
But that's feasibly what you can do with a 12-team league. Now I say again, we have not heard from Jeff Jackson, the commissioner of the Valley. We have not heard anything about this other than it's probably going to happen. And here's one quote that I didn't read yet from Harry's story at the Valley Hoops Insider. Are Belmont and Murray State coming to the Valley in a package deal? One source close to the league told me there was a, quote, handshake agreement of source between Murray and Belmont. That's why we're talking about both of them. When it started coming out about Belmont, we had to talk about Murray State. If they come to the Valley, they're going to end up coming to the league together. So this is going to be something to watch, especially with with Matt Brown reporting that an announcement could come as soon as this week from Belmont. We'll see what happens here. But these would be two solid, solid additions for the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah, Austin P and Jacksonville State are leaving the OVC. And that's going to be at the end of 2022, which means this could happen as soon not this coming season cuz we're literally what a month and a couple month and a half out. It's not going to happen now. This would happen at the end of 2022. Now, at least this time we know that they're leaving the league now. When Wichita State left the Valley in 18, or in 17, I'm sorry, in 17, we, at least I, didn't hear about it, at least nothing concrete, until Arch Madness. We were in the hotel in St. Louis covering Arch Madness, and I saw a report that Wichita State was looking to leave for the American. That, of course, happened. And that's why Valpo joined the Valley. And Wichita State leaving opened the door for Loyola in 18 to go 15-3 and in Missouri Valley play and make the Final Four. I remember it. I was there. This is developing. Going to be following it. We're going to talk about it on the show. Might have Harry on. Might have somebody from the Valley on to talk about it once stuff happens. But stay tuned. Definitely stay tuned on this. We got about 20 minutes until I get my Bears ki- Bears pick. Kickoff coming at noon, by the way. This kind of serves as a Bears pregame show when there's a noon kickoff on Fox. Justin Fields' is debut today. More on that in a little bit. But we should talk some college football because... Did you see what Notre Dame did yesterday? You know, I've talked about it on the show many times that I'm a big Notre Dame fan. And as a big Notre Dame fan, watching yesterday's game against Wisconsin, now I was fully prepared for Notre Dame to go in and lose. They're playing at Soldier Field. 
And the quarterback play wasn't, um, how do I put it? Good. And watching Graham Mertz out there for Wisconsin, it was ugly. Now, this was a, it was a close game. So, it's crazy that the final score was 41-13. to 13. The uh, kick return from Chris Tyree was amazing. That was the turning point in the game. Because Wisconsin just scored a field goal to take the lead. But then Chris Tyree ran it back. They said 98 yards on the broadcast. They credited him 104. That was the turning point in the game. And Notre Dame obviously ended up winning 41-13. They had two pick sixes on Mertz's last two passes. So I'm starting to think, and I tweeted this yesterday. Guys, I don't think Graham Mertz is very good. Yeah, I'm uh, starting to think he's not good. And I know people are telling me that he doesn't have help. I know Paul Chris said you can't just blame him. You can't just blame Graham Mertz. But seriously, it was ugly. So Notre Dame remains undefeated. And it was a great game. It was a really great game. Kyle Hamilton was pretty quiet, though. Kyle Hamilton's name has come up on many NFL mock drafts. He's up there with Kayvon Thibodeau in terms of defensive prospects. He was pretty quiet, but keep an eye on him as season goes on. But yeah, around the around the Big Ten yesterday, uh, Minnesota, yikes. They lost to Bowling Green, which hasn't beaten an FBS team in how long? Two years? Something like that. Yeah, it was uh, not a good, not a good game for PJ Fleck who row in the boat, you know. So there's a lot of action around the Big Ten yesterday. Also, Michigan State, Nebraska. That was a lot closer of a game than I thought it'd be. But yeah, a lot of Big Ten action. I actually, yesterday, for the first time, clocked in 12 hours of writing about college football, which is awesome. I loved it. It was great. So that was my day yesterday. So I had a full day of college football today. We got a full day of NFL football. Justin Fields is making his debut. Exciting times over here. And baseball, you know, baseball's still going on. I guess I should acknowledge that the White Sox did win the division this week. It feels like ages ago that the White Sox won the division. But yeah, the White Sox, AL Central champions, first time since 2008. And I can't wait to see how the playoffs go in terms of the crowd because they're, the White Sox want to do what's called a blackout. And they want to have all their fans wear black during the games. And it's going to be really cool, a guaranteed rate field. 
So the White Sox are going to the playoffs. I still think they're good enough to win the World Series. They have not played fully healthy much this year. Tony La Russa is the American League Manager of the Year. I mean, that's that's got to be it, right? I mean, who else would be AL Manager of the Year this year? Like, seriously. Tell me who else. Oh yeah, congratulations to the White Sox. And I know I live with one White Sox fan right now. My dad, my sister's a big Sox fan. I know a bunch of White Sox fans here in town. They're all happy. I'm happy for them. The Cubs are going to be playing golf. Because there ain't no way they're making the playoffs. But it sounds like they're going to be active in the offseason, though. Jed Hoyer met the media this week. And he was asked about it already. And He's going to have an end-of-the-season press conference next week. Because, yes, the end of the season's coming up soon. So he's going to have an end-of-the-season press conference where he can address it. But it sounds like the Cubs are going to be active in free agency in, in the offseason. That's going to be something to watch as well. And it is a really good sports weekend, by the way. Have you watched any of the Ryder Cup? If you haven't, you need to. And the reason I bring this up now, Bryson DeChambeau, this just came across my Twitter timeline. He just drove the green of hole number one at Whistling Straits. Now, I'm looking it up to find out what that distance is because I haven't seen a distance come across yet. It is a par four. If they're playing the black tees, which it looks like they are, I'm going to guess they are for the Ryder Cup. They might have some special tees. It's at least 400 yards. Mercy. Now, I'm not a Bryson DeChambeau fan by any means. Although I did kind of, sort of, model my driving game after him a little bit when I go play golf, but that's just because when I play anymore, I just get up to the tee and swing as hard as I can and try to hit it straight, which it never goes straight. But the Ryder Cup has been really fun to watch this weekend. Uh, the U.S. is currently up 11-5 to on Team Europe. And USA is leading one match right now, Europe's leading a match right now, and one match is tied. Although the best video from the weekend has to be when Justin Thomas and Daniel Berger were walking up to the grandstand and fans threw a couple beers down at him and they chugged him. The Ryder Cup is really something. And it's, it's one of the best weekends in golf, in my opinion. So if you haven't watched it, if you're a golf fan and you haven't watched it yet, check it out. Again, the U.S. is winning. They're in good position to win it. It's at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin, right across the border. Right on Lake Michigan, too, so it's a lot of wind. But that's been really, really fun to watch. All right, let's go around the NFL for today because I've got about 15 minutes left. i got about 10 minutes until I give my Bears pick. 
for today. So Sunday Night Football tonight is Packers-Niners. Just going to leave it at that for Bears fans. See what else we got coming up today. We got Chargers-Chiefs coming up at noon. That's going to be a good game. Monday Night Football tomorrow night is Eagles and Cowboys. Bucks-Rams at 325 is going to be the game of the day, though. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But yeah, Bears-Browns at noon in Cleveland. It's on Fox. I've got that up on my TV as we speak with the pregame show. I think it's going to be a good game. And again, maybe this could be wishful thinking because I'm really high on Justin Fields. I think it's also just the Bears fan in me that likes having a quarterback who can throw a deep ball and who can make plays out of the pocket. This is something that Bears fans haven't had. But I'm excited to see what happens today. Spread seven and a half. That's a big number. But we're going to see. Hype videos are coming out from Cleveland right now. Again, we are just about 14 minutes away from kickoff. And again, it should be it should be a good game. I expect it to be a better game than Vegas thinks it'll be. And I I hope that Matt Nagy just lets Justin Fields be Justin Fields. Like, I I just hope he doesn't hold him back in terms of, like, the play calling, specifically the play calling, but I hope he just kind of lets him go. Because that's the other thing with, with Nagy. You know, I talked about, I talked, where's it hurt? I talked earlier about play calling and how Bill Lazor should just call the plays. But Matt Nagy, if he's calling the plays, needs to be aggressive. And that's what he needs to do with Justin Fields especially. Now, Andy Dalton's not playing today. You have a quarterback who can literally make plays. Okay, so I just got an update on the Bryson DeChambeau drive. He drove the green on hole number one at Whistling Straits and proceeded to make a 41-foot putt for Eagle. My goodness. Like I said, I'm not the biggest... DeChambeau fan in the world. But you you got to appreciate what he just did and what he's doing at the Ryder Cup. Because this is, it's been exciting to watch. And yet it's good for golf. The Ryder Cup. 
I love watching it. I was sad we didn't have it last year. But I'm glad they did it with fans this year. Because the fans are a big part of it. They have 41-foot eagle pot after driving the green on hole one. Wow. That's amazing. We got about 10 minutes till Justin Fields time. I'm 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 counting the minutes here. Can you believe me right now? I'm I'm ridiculous with this. But yeah, we are we're 10 minutes from Justin Fields time as I call it. I am I'm so unbelievably excited for today. Like this this is this is going to be great. Noon kickoff on Fox. Kevin Burkhart. We got Greg Olson on the call today, too. There's a name. Greg Olson's on the call. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be relentless on Twitter. I'm just warning you right now. And again, all the sights and sounds from Cleveland are, are they're coming out on my Twitter feed right now. I wish I could play what's on my Twitter feed right now, but I cannot play. What's on my computer while we're broadcasting remotely, which sucks. But this is going to be fun. All right, let's look ahead to this week because there is quite a bit going on this week in Chicago sports. Obviously, we'll have the aftermath of today's game. But tomorrow, Monday, is Bulls Media Day. And training camp starts Tuesday, which means we're going to hear from Billy Donovan, Mark Eversley, Arturis Karnaschovas, Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine. Bulls basketball is coming back soon. The season starts next month, October 20th to be exact. And we did have some, some news come out from training camp. Um, Patrick Williams got hurt, sprained his ankle, and he's going to be out. It it says four to six weeks, but the injury happened on the 15th, which means he could, could be available for the season opener. We will know more about this tomorrow, but losing Patrick Williams, even just for a little bit in training camp hurts. Because I he's one of my breakout candidates for this year. But now maybe Alizé Johnson's going to get a start for the first couple of games for the Bulls, which would be full circle for me because I, I've, told, I've said it on the show, i said it on my podcast. I covered Alizé in college. And that would be just so cool for him to be starting for my favorite team. But yeah, we'll have more updates on Patrick Williams this week, but training camp. Training camp starting Tuesday, media days starting tomorrow. So we got Bulls training camp. We've got the Bears, which we can talk all week about the Bears, and usually Chicago does talk all week about the Bears. You got the end of baseball season for the Cubs, Sox gearing up for the playoffs. 
I want to say Blackhawks training camp's underway as well. If not, it's getting underway, which there's a lot going on with the Blackhawks. Oh, let's see. Who are they picking on here? I've got we got Fox on my TV. Uh, looks like Kurt Menefee's taking the Browns by seven over the Bears. Do it that way, you will. But now that that's over. Yes, busy week coming up. And we're going to see how the Bears do today at the Dog Pound in Cleveland. All right, we're getting ready to wrap up the show. So I've told you the betting lines. I've told you the over-under. I've told you what the Bears are going up against. What do I think the Bears are going to do this afternoon in Cleveland? Noon kickoff on Fox. Justin Fields' his first start as a Bear. A reminder... Justin Fields has not lost a game in the state of Ohio because he played at Ohio State. So he has not lost a game in Ohio. That streak is on the line today. I am picking Browns 24, Bears 17. That's my prediction for today, just with the Bears' defense. They don't have Tashawn Gibson. They don't have Eddie Goldman. The secondary is still weak. Odell Beckham Jr. is back. Browns 24, Bears 17. If you would have told me three years ago that I'd be picking the Browns to beat the Bears, we'd be having some serious conversations. But the Browns are good, man. You know, I didn't like Baker Mayfield in college but I love him as a pro. And I did the same thing with Cam Newton in Carolina. You know, I didn't like Cam Newton in college, but I liked him as a pro. I did not like Baker Mayfield when he was in college. But as a pro in Cleveland, he's looking good. He's the real deal. He's hilarious in the commercials too, just as a person. But as a player, he's the real deal. And the Bears are going to really have to rattle him today if they want to win. But one of the stories for Cleveland is Odell Beckham Jr. is coming back from a torn ACL. This is his first game back today. So we're going to see how OBJ does, how he fits back into the system for Kyle Stefanski. Is it Kyle Stefanski? Is it Kyle or Kevin? I always flip. It's Kevin Stefanski. Why do I keep thinking it's Kyle? He's been the coach now for, what, two years? I keep calling him the wrong name, so it's Kevin Stefanski. It is Kevin Stefanski's system that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be jumping back into. It's just going to be nice today for the Bears to see a quarterback who can make plays on the run. I know his over-under, his over-under for rushing yards is, I want to say, 51 and a half. So yeah, I expect him to use his legs a lot. There he is. He's on my TV right now. This is gonna be fun. This is gonna be a fun one. Like that, that's why I say I, I think the score is gonna be twenty-four to seventeen, but I think it's gonna be a good game. Like I think it's gonna be one of those. It's gonna turn into a grind it out. Yeah, there he is. There's Greg Olson. 
Former Bears, he should have stayed with the Bears. Don't get me started on that trade. But Greg Olson's calling this game today. You got a good broadcast crew. You got a good Sunday night game tonight. Packers-Niners. And then Monday night football tomorrow is Eagles-Cowboys, which I think is going to be a decent game. Like, you know, I'm not the biggest Cowboys fan. I'm not a Dak Prescott fan by any means. But I think that's going to be a good game tomorrow. Look. We've got college football back in full swing. We're in week four of college. Just finished week four of college. We were in week three of NFL. We've got the NBA coming back soon. We've got MLB playoffs starting soon. we got the NHL coming back soon. This is a really good time to be a sports fan. And this is today is really, today's a good day. Be watching football all day. I also have a story to write for the website. So stay tuned for that Saturday tradition. I'll have a story dropping today. But Bears Browns coming up in two minutes. That's how long I have left on the air right now. This has been a fun show. We're going to keep tabs on the Belmont Murray State situation with the Missouri Valley Conference as well. I know I talked about that at the bottom of the hour, especially. But, I mean, that's going to be a hot topic of conversation, even as we're into the sports equinox, as we're getting into all the sports at once. We're going to keep talking Missouri Valley basketball. We're going to talk Valley basketball all year here on the show. And we're going to especially keep tabs on Belmont Murray State, what it means for the Valley going forward. We'll have sound from interviews, hopefully, any media day stuff coming up. If you're a Valley basketball fan, we're going to have a lot of fun on this show. Now, if the Bears are doing well, you're going to have to put up with my Justin Fields takes. But yeah, this, it's going to be a really fun couple months. Once November comes around, you know, when you got college football, college basketball, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB playoffs will be done by then, unfortunately. Once we have all that, this show is going to be rocking. But we're going to have more fun in store next week here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up right here. Thank you, everybody, for listening today and putting up with my excitement for Justin Fields Day in Chicago. Well, I guess in Cleveland, but in Chicago. Until next week, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, get the vaccine when you can, wear your mask. Looking forward to talking back with you next week here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. Browns 24, Bears 17. You heard it here first. If you want to take it to the sports book, you can. I would not trust me with the sports book, but still going to be a good game today. Have an awesome week, everybody. Bear down.